0: Aloha, you are listening to Mark's Gospel of the Servant Savior, a message series from Shorebreak Church. If you have been blessed by this series, please join us in the mission of making disciples by partnering with us in prayer or by giving financially. Partner with us by visiting ShorebreakChurch.com. Mahalo.
1: Hey, aloha. How's it going, Shorebreak? You guys all right? Hey, good to be with you this day. Um, if you don't know me, not, my name is Travis. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at the church, and we're humbled and we're truly honored and thankful to have you with us today. Maybe you're, you have a strong, thriving relationship with Jesus, or you're on a journey, or you're searching, or you have questions and you're skeptical. doesn't matter where you're at. We're thankful that you would take your Sunday to be here with us. We truly, truly are. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my oldest son, Sebastian. He's eight years old, and we were we were chatting about geography, and somehow Alaska came up in the conversation. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, Dad, I, I know about Alaska. And I was like, you do? Really? You know about Alaska, so tell me about Alaska. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, Alaska is the island right above Hawaii, right? Like, if you look on a map, and you see there on the map, like, we have our little box in the corner of the map, and... Alaska has its own little box in the corner of the map. I'm like, dude, really? Like, what are they teaching in school these days? But um, we have a special guest speaker who's going to be sharing with us out of Mark chapter 8 today. And you're going to be blessed. First service was amazing. Preached the paint off the walls. I, myself, was extremely blessed. Many in our church were, and I know you will be, for this worship gathering. Um, He believes in the power of the gospel. He loves Jesus. He teaches the word of God. His family actually live here in Hawaii. Trenton and Sarah, they they go to church here. And so he's on vacation here because what a better way to spend um, your vacation than by preaching, right? And so it's good to have him. And so um, from the island of Alaska, (laughs) church, would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Gabriel.
0: aloha Aloha. all right you got your bibles okay would you go with me to mark chapter 8 please like travis just said my name is gabriel and i am from alaska and uh from anchorage anybody been to anchorage alaska a few of you one of you (laughs) one of you that's great awesome well uh it's my privilege it really is uh one to be here uh Thank you for having uh, me and us. Thank you to uh, the leadership team who uh, felt to allow me to be here this morning to teach and to preach from God's Word. Um, It really is, I genuinely mean it, it really is a privilege and an honor to stand before any group of people and to open up this book, which are the Scriptures, and teach and preach from it. Amen? So it truly is my pleasure... It's my privilege. So Mark chapter 8, and uh, as I've uh, been told by Travis and Toby, actually, both the pastors uh, that I've had a chance of hanging out with a little bit this week, that you guys have been going through the gospel uh, according to Mark, John Mark. Um, and the gospel according to Mark opens with this statement uh, that, that this is the good news. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, let us not be mistaken when we think about the good news, when we think about the gospel, that it is only what God has done in sending his Son to die in our place for our sin. Though this is crucial, this is really the crux of the gospel, the gospel does not end there, but it merely begins there. The good news of what Jesus Christ does is a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense. It's good news. The gospel is not what you do, and it's not what I do. The gospel is what God has done in Jesus Christ. The gospel is what God is doing by the power of his Spirit. And the gospel is what God will do as he sends his son Jesus again to rescue us from this, from this present age that we live in the gospel is good news and it's a privilege for any of us to know or to have heard it at all, let alone to trust and to believe it. So I get to teach from Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through uh, 10, 1 through 9, 1 through 10. So I'm going to read it and if you just read along with me, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, yeah, just follow along. You ready? You excited? Okay. Okay, so here we are. Mark 8, verse 1, in those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to them, to him, excuse me, and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat I love this word compassion. It's actually a word that uh, the Greek word is splangnong, not that that means anything to you. But the word actually speaks of an animal's inner organs, their heart, their lungs, their liver, their kidneys, all those inner organs. And uh, what Jesus is saying is that he is moved within. He feels a stirring within for these people because they've been traveling with him. They've been committed to him for this three-day journey, and now they have nothing to eat. In other words, they brought enough food only for a certain amount of time, but they ran out of food, but their commitment endured, and they continued to follow Jesus. And it says he's moved with compassion. He's moved from within to do something about this. Verse 3, And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. His disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? When it says, how can one feed, the word there is the same word that's used in verse 8. How can one satisfy the hunger is really what he's saying. How can one satisfy the hunger of these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small, a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to these also, Should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the bow with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmunatha. Now, this is not to be mistaken with the story that that you guys went over a few weeks ago, probably, about Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. This is a separate story, very similar, obviously, uh, but it's a separate story nonetheless, where Jesus proves to be the servant savior prophesied since Adam. Since the beginning of time, man has needed a rescuer and a savior. And this is uh, one of those things that Jesus does, one of those miracles that Jesus does uh, to prove that he is the servant savior. Again, all of the miracles that Jesus does was, yes, with the intent of healing or taking care of people. But the real intent or the primary intent was that was that they might see that He really is the Son of God, that He really is the Messiah. And so this is another miracle that Jesus does to show that He is, in fact, the Messiah. And I just want to say something natural here for a minute. Jesus takes this food, and He gives thanks, and He breaks the bread, and He then distributes it. Uh, Let us not ever forget that everything we have, every natural food that we have is... A gift from God. He provides it. He gives it to us and that we are to give thanks. When we pray at the dinner table, when we pray at morning at the breakfast table, as we as we pray before we eat meals, it's not because it's necessarily the right thing to do, and that's why we ought to do it. The reason we pray and the reason we ought to pray is because we're genuinely grateful for the food that God has provided. We're genuinely grateful, and we acknowledge that he has truly provided this food. It's an example that we see Jesus doing here for us, that he gives thanks, and as he gives thanks, he breaks it and he distributes the food. Let me just pray over this text, and uh, and I'm going to speak from a title this morning uh, called Jesus Satisfies, and uh, we'll allow him to encourage us and instruct us. So Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. You are holy and you are awesome. There is none like you and there is no God beside you. We honor you, Father, and we thank you that you have chosen through the redemption of your son, Jesus. You've chosen to call us sons and daughters, and you've allowed us and empowered us by your spirit to call you Father. And we thank you, Jesus, our King, our High Priest, who has entered into the holy place to make a way for us so that we can genuinely draw near and experience and know you and commune with you daily. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that you're in this place, that you are among the people of God, empowering the people of God and anointing the word of God as it is preached. And my prayer today is that you would do that very thing, that you would anoint our ears to hear and our eyes to see, our minds to understand, our hearts to trust and to believe who you are and what you have done and what you're doing and what you promise to do for your people. We love you. We bless you. And We ask you to help me and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, as you can imagine, uh, I have been on vacation this this last week, and it has been restful. It's been rich time being with family and, of course, being with my wife and kids. And uh, I'm a beach guy, so I like going to the beach, probably because in Alaska, we don't really have... Well, we have beaches, but they're not beaches. You know what I'm saying? And Yeah, yeah, okay. So basically, we, uh, we like going to the beach, and so the family we're staying with is probably beached out. At least I would be. Um, if I was living here and was going to the beach every day, but one of the things uh, I love doing is is going into the water uh, with my kids and allowing them to experience the waves. You know, talking to people who understand what I'm talking about, I'm assuming. And so, uh, my daughter Adeline, she's four. I have I have three kids. Uh, one of them is six, Zayden, and I have two little ones, Adeline and Colette, uh, two girls, and the four-year-old. Um, just the other day, we're at the beach at Magic Sands, and she was asking me to um, to just play with her in the water. And so I'm playing with her, and and she was really wanting me to go deeper into the water. And I'm like, well, if we go deeper, there's there's chance of you know something happening to you. Um, but she goes, I want you to hold on to me. I said, okay. So we go out there, and I'm letting her. She's holding on to me. She's wrapping around my my neck. You know, she's grabbing on to me. Uh, But she didn't feel safe with me holding with her with her holding on to my my neck um, because because I didn't really have her. I mean she had me, but I didn't really have her. And so I'm standing there and the waves are hitting and she's she's you know, some of you are thinking I'm cruel to my children, but um, but I was I was allowing her to experience the 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 power of the wave, you know, the strength of the wave hitting her, depending on how big they were. And so she she kept almost getting knocked off, but I, I, I would I would not allow her to fully be thrown off of me because I was obviously I love her. and I'm not going to let her be destroyed. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> in that moment, every time a big wave would come, in those moments I would I would I would then grab her and I would hold her and I would I would keep her head above the water. And whenever I held her and grabbed her, she felt secure. She didn't feel secure because of her strength holding on to me, but she felt secure knowing that her father was holding on to her. God is, God, is not, God is not secure about your eternal security because of your faith that is so holding on to him. But God is secure with your security because of his strength it is holding on to you. God knows that you're going to make it through because of because of his hands that are you with me? Because of his hands that are holding on to you. Now, yes, it's important that we hold on to him, but our holding on to him is more about believing that he is holding on to us through his son Jesus Christ who has secured for us eternal salvation forever. And so the fight of the Christian is not so much trying with all of my might to hold on to God, but the fight of the Christian is to not lose faith that God in Christ is holding on to me. To know that God has me and to know that God has us is the fight of the Christian. To know that God has us in Christ is the fight. And that's what we see in this story. They've been following him for a few days. And now they're asking the question, is he able to take care of us now that we're three days away? We're far from home and we have no food. Does God still have us? Can God still take care of us? Can this Jesus who claims to be Messiah really help me in this time of need? And what we find is that that these stories, these natural stories, these physical stories tell a spiritual truth. Again and again and again in the Scriptures, God uses physical, natural things, stories, as as a picture, as a parallel for what He's teaching us in the Spirit, or spiritually speaking, especially the Old Testament. Paul says in Colossians 2 that the Old Testament is full of shadows, types and shadows. But the substance, the reality, is Christ. So as you go back to Genesis, what you see is these these physical, natural stories, but they teach us a spiritual lesson. Are you with me? So for instance, when we look at the story in Genesis chapter 3, there's the animal skins. It says that Adam and Eve were naked, and because of their sin, they were ashamed. And so what God does is it says he, He takes animal skins, and He clothes them so they weren't ashamed anymore. Well, how did he clothe them with animal skins? Did he just skin a live animal? I doubt it. What is implied in the text is that God does the first killing of an animal. The first sacrifice is in the garden to cover the nakedness of his children. God kills an animal, takes the skin, and then clothes his people so that they are not ashamed in their nakedness. What does this tell us? It tells us a greater story. It tells us the gospel, way back in Genesis 3, that God would provide for our spiritual need by sending His Son, who would be the true and the better body, who would die and be buried in a garden so that He would cover our sin and our shame. The story of Noah, a great story of a man who built a boat, To save his family and anyone who else, any any other person who would come to this boat to be saved from from the destruction of the world because of sin. He builds this boat, but we find that Jesus is the true and better Noah, isn't he? Jesus is the true and better Noah who was called by God to prepare the way of salvation and to be the ark that anyone could enter so as to escape the wrath of God and be preserved for a whole new world. We see Isaac, Isaac the son of Abraham, who is, who is in effect offered up on the mountain by his father. Jesus is the true and the better Isaac, who was offered up on the mountain by his father as a sacrifice for our sin and who came back from the dead to be our eternal guarantee. And then you see Joseph. Joseph was arguably one of the most, prolific types in the old testaments of jesus christ you look at who he is there's over a hundred similarities between the man joseph and jesus christ let me just take a minute to expound on this jesus is the true and the better joseph who is the beloved distinguished son of god that was sent to love his brothers just like joseph was sent to go love and take care of his brothers but he was hated by them and he was thrown into a pit He came to serve the world like like Joseph served in Potiphar's house, but was thrown into the prison of death. But God raised him up, Jesus, out of this pit, just like Joseph came out of prison and out of the grave, and he made him to sit at his right hand so that he would rule and reign over all the earth, bringing salvation and eternal provisions to all that would come to him in faith. Jesus is the true and the better Joseph who will one day come to his people, revealing himself completely to us, even as Joseph took off his makeup so that his brothers could see him, falling upon us with his love and mercy, even as Joseph fell on his brothers and kissed them, speaking with us face to face and allowing us to live forever and ever in his kingdom of perfect righteousness, peace, and joy, sharing in his richness for all eternity. As you walk through the scriptures, you see that these these. Physical, natural stories tell a greater spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. You go to Exodus. Jesus is the true and better Moses. We don't have time to even talk about what that even means, but I think we understand. He leads a true and a better Exodus for God's people. He's the true and the better Passover lamb, and he is the true and the better manna that came down from heaven. Amen? Jesus is all over the text The gospel does not begin being proclaimed in Matthew. The gospel is began proclaimed from Genesis 1. God is proclaiming to us that we all have a need and Jesus Christ is his provision. And the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us that he is the man, the God-man who came to rescue us. This story in in Mark chapter 8 tells us that there was a need, a real need, a natural need of hunger. They were hungry, but this tells a spiritual truth that we as human kind have a, have a spiritual, a soul hunger, longing and craving that nothing and no one can satisfy. The greatest weather, the greatest climate, the greatest atmosphere, the greatest family, the greatest job, the greatest vocation, whether it be a, a ministry vocation or whether it be a, a non-ministry vocation, whatever one is doing, there's nothing and no one that can satisfy the craving and the longing of the heart except for what God has provided for us in Jesus. The craving, the longing that we have is for our guilt to be removed. The craving that we have is to have a right standing with God. It's to have peace and and joy. It's to have purpose and authentic eternal motivation. It's to have unconditional love. It's to be valued and to be treasured. It's it's to, to have happiness and contentment. It's to have eternal security. It's to be satisfied from within. There's a longing and a craving, and we find ourselves as humans chasing different things to satisfy, and the problem is not only do We not get better, we grow worse if we do not find in Jesus what we were made to find ultimate, eternal, spiritual satisfaction. So we have this longing. And some of us, as Christians who've been following Jesus for a long time, we've found that He is. Able to cause us to be born again and we're following him. Yeah, we believe that he saved me from the penalty of my sin, but is he able to really satisfy my need on a day-to-day basis? Or do I need to go to this thing and to that thing to be satisfied? Do, Do do I find myself going to alcohol or or to food or to pleasures of this world in order to find satisfy satisfaction within that only God can bring without, through and by his son? ministering to me through his spirit. I think if we're honest, all of us can say, myself included, that I find myself looking to things, looking to my spouse to be for me what only Jesus was meant to be, looking to my kids and my family to be to me what only he was meant to be to me. I find myself idolizing people and things and possessions to somehow make me happy. But what I realize is that there's still a longing within. Yes, I'm a believer. I've been following Jesus. But there's still a need on a daily basis to be satisfied in him. And if I do not find that in him, I will will be unsatisfied. I will be discontent. I will be unhappy and I will be lacking. But the good news of the gospel tells us so much more than just that Jesus died in our place for our sin to rescue us from the punishment of sin. It tells us more than Jesus just caused us to be born again, to be a new creation. It tells us that God, in Christ Jesus, is given to us as God's provision to satisfy every longing in our heart. He is God's provision. So what we see here in this story, it says Jesus is moved with compassion. He's moved from within as he sees their longing, as he sees their craving. And you've got to know this that if you've stopped for a minute in your busy life and just look within and you find in yourself craving and longing and dissatisfaction, you've got to know that God sees you and he knows you and he's made a way for you to find true, lasting satisfaction. You've got to know he sees you. You don't got to wake God up from his slumber so that he can see your need and meet you there. Nobody, nobody woke Jesus up. Nobody said, hey, these people are struggling, Jesus. They need some help. He says he saw and he was moved with compassion and then he did something about it. you got to know that God sees your need and he has done something about it. Amen. It says that, that, that they took bread. He took bread. He gave thanks he broke the bread. He gave the bread. They ate and they were satisfied. I want to read to you John chapter 6 verses 26 through 51. I'm picking some passages here, leaving some others. This is Jesus speaking a spiritual truth in light of a natural thing that he had just done from the from the 5000 men that he had fed, arguably 15 and 20,000 people. Jesus is speaking about that situation in John 6. I'm going to read it. Jesus replied, this is from the New Living Translation, by the way. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Don't be concerned about the natural. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven And gives life to the world. Sir, (laughs) sir, give us that bread every day. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, me, Jesus, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer you to the whole world, is my flesh. It's my body. Jesus is the bread of God that was broken at Calvary's cross so that he could be distributed to the whole world so that all people everywhere for all of time could day by day feed or commune with him and therefore have a satisfied heart, mind, will, emotion. Hearing what Jesus is saying, He's saying, I'm not just the one who quickens your mortal body and allows you to spiritually see me and know me, but I'm the one who has been given to you to day in and day out satisfy your need. I'm the bread. It's a staple food. We all know that. We need food every day, and for them especially, bread was something they ate every day. Maybe for you, it's eggs. Jesus is the eggs of life. Maybe for you, it's a Snickers bar. Jesus is your Snickers bar. You got to see Jesus as the one that you go to in order to have satisfaction. The gospel tells us that Jesus went to the cross. His body was broken. He went into the ground. When he rose again, he became king of a whole new creation. Inaugurated a whole new reality. He then ascended to the right hand of the Father to secure a place for us as the God-man, representing God and man in heaven for us forever. But then, but then the gospel continues. It doesn't end with Jesus seated. It it, it continues with Jesus sending his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and dwell in the midst of his people among among them, but also within them. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that God's spirit dwells in you? And then later in chapter 6, verse 19, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? The first one is plural, the second one is singular. In chapter 3, he's telling us that you as a people are God's temple and God dwells among you. But in chapter 6, 19, he's saying that you personally, are the temple, and that God personally dwells in you as well. So us sitting here, if you've turned and trusted and believed and are following Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that God has also sent his spirit to dwell inside your body so that you can day in, day out commune with God, commune with Christ, and have your soul satisfied. He is the bread from heaven given to feed us in this dry and weary land. He is the manna that we can feed on so as to nourish our souls. Come on. God doesn't leave us. He doesn't just cause us to be born as new babies and then leave us to the side. You gotta know that God, the same God that raised you from spiritual death and gives you spiritual life is the God who day in, day out holds you like I hold my daughter and keeps you and nourishes you and strengthens you. The question is not, has God provided? The question is, are you going to God's provision for your soul? That's the question. The question is not whether or not my, 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 the, the dad had his daughter in the ocean. The question is, did she really know and realize that no matter what, dad was going to hold her and keep her? Unless a 10-foot wave came or something. <laughs> we would have, have been... You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Colossians 2 9 and 10 Paul says for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you say me come on say me. me and me I us have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority this word filled is a good word it means to be made full to be made complete not quite like this water bottle it's not quite full the picture in the Greek is that it's overflowing. Squeeze it. You want to squeeze it a little bit? Okay, so it's kind of like that. There we go. And it's overflowing. But you and I were made to be complete. and Jesus is that bread, that spiritual bread that he gives to us. So I call us to respond because the scripture calls us to respond. In this story, we see a need. We see Jesus meet a need. But then there's the response of the people. How do they they handle this? What do they do about this bread that's been given? It says they sat down, they ate, and they were satisfied. Are you sitting down on a daily basis and feeding on Christ Jesus? You say, How? I don't want to move my Bible. By feeding on the Word of God, by the Spirit of God with the people of God, for the glory of God, that you might know the Son of God. Are you feeding on the Word? Don't don't be mistaken. I'm not talking about giving you more information. I'm not talking about reading this so you you can know more. What I'm saying to remind you is what Jesus says in John 5 to the religious leaders. He says to the religious leaders, you search the Scriptures Because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that speak of me. What Jesus is saying is that the scriptures in and of themselves don't have life. The scriptures point to me so that in me you may have life. The purpose of the scripture is that we might commune with a real God, not an informational God, though, though, though information is good because it helps us understand what this God is like. It helps us put form to what this God is like so that we know how to relate to him. But the purpose of the book is that we might know this Jesus personally, intimately, fully know him and commune with him. What are you eating? What are you feeding on? What are you trying to use to nourish your soul. God calls us to repent. God calls us to turn from trusting in and, and, and man-made religions and philosophies to try to nourish our souls. And he's calling us as a people to day in, day out, like the, like the Israelites in the wilderness, feed on the manna from heaven. Which means getting in your word and reading it. Reading it to see Jesus. Reading it with other believers. Encouraging each other. And listening to the Lord speak to you through it, and then second to that, Jesus gave the 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 bread to the disciples that they might feed the people. You can't just see yourself as somebody day in day out needing your needs met. You got to see yourself day in day out as somebody who has had their need met in Christ and is then empowered to go and serve His bread, His life to the world. We live in a land in a world that is slowly but surely going down into destruction and you know all of us know people in this in in your life that do not know and are trusting and following jesus and you are sent by jesus you are sent by jesus to share the bread of life with them even as the disciples took that bread and gave it to those people you hear in me not only eat and feed on christ but you must also serve christ who is the bread of life to the world that you live in amen i want to read a passage in closing and then i'm going to pray for us and, uh, and, then, and then we'll continue with our service-taking communion. So let me read this from Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 3, a call to action. Come, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, God says, and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Father God, we... Thank you that you are our Father who gave us spiritual life and you're our Father who day in, day out keeps us and you sent your Son Jesus to satisfy us. Jesus, you are the only one who can truly satisfy and bring contentment to the longing of my heart and to longing of our hearts. Help us be a people that day in, day out believe that you really do have us and that you really are nourishing us as we commune with you. And help us be a people that serve our world by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mahalo. Thank you.
1: Wow, what a word for us to digest. Um, The scriptures invite us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you believe in this Jesus? Not just an intellectual understanding, but have you tasted and seen that Jesus is good? That he isn't just savior, but that he is altogether satisfying and that he will meet every need your soul searches for. Come to the table and eat. Hey, yo, you don't have money? Doesn't matter. It's a free gift that is offered to you that God has made possible through his son. And so if you've come to this worship gathering today and you've heard this word, this great word that brother shared, and you don't know Jesus, taste and see. He is good. It is his kindness that draws us in and leads us to repentance. Repent. Acknowledge that all those other ways you pursued are not satisfying and that he is truly satisfying. If that's you, if that's where you're at today, make sure at the end of this worship gathering you go and you visit the Connect table on the way out, and we'll get you dialed in with the Bible. We want to get to know you. We'll talk story with you get you plugged into community group, and we're thankful to have you here. And thank you so much, Pastor Gabe, for sharing with us.
0: Thank you for listening. Please visit ShorebreakChurch.com to stay connected or to share your story.